With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast presented by the state newspaper. I am your host, Greg Hadley, joined by our men's basketball beat writer, Andrew Ramsbacker, here on New Year's Eve. Andrew, as we are moving into 2020, it's been kind of an interesting few weeks on the men's basketball side of things. Could you just give us a quick rundown of the past few games for South Carolina? About as unpredictable as you could imagine. I think the last time we talked, we were sitting in uh, the bleachers after the Houston game, where it seemed like the near future, at least, for South Carolina basketball was pretty bleak. I just lost to Houston at home by 20 points. Could not shoot at all in that game. Houston, a team coming off of a couple 30-win seasons, showed South Carolina what an NCAA team, NCAA tournament team looks like. And South Carolina is a team that, let's face it, that, you know they, they talked about expectations in the offseason. There's a lot of buzz, and the NCAA tournament was a term, <laughs> a word that was thrown around here about the potential with this team. There was pieces in place that if, if everything fell through and came together, that this team could be playing in the postseason and, and that and that stage of the postseason. And Houston just came in and, and really just kind of wiped them off the floor and exposed them a little bit. And then South Carolina is now looking at back-to-back trips to ACC schools. And I think you and I talked about it then. Like, you know, this team's staring at 6-6. Six and six. There's no doubt about it. And then you're looking at Stetson. Okay, you'll get to 7-6 and six before non-conference play. It's kind of how we viewed it, right? They'd, get, they'd go 1-2. and two. Well, here we are three games later, <laughs> and they went 2-1, and one, right? Which is encouraging. The wins were not the ones you expected. At least one of them wasn't the one you fully expected at all. The loss was the one you absolutely did not expect to happen. So how do you kind of sum up a team that over the last three games has gone on the road and beat Clemson and Virginia by combined 24 points, and then it comes home and loses to one of the worst teams in Division I men's basketball by a couple of metrics, net, Kempom, what have you. This team's in the 300, Stetson. How, how do you kind of just put that all together? How do you how do you come to that reality? I don't know. I don't think Frank Martin knows. I don't think these players know. I don't know if Stetson coach Donnie Jones, you know, was just upset South Carolina, even the way he talked afterward. I don't think he figured that out, right? Like how did he just watched a South Carolina team and scouted them and their wins over Clemson and Virginia and then took his team, which was on a four game losing streak, took it to Columbia and not only beat them, Stetson was leading this game for over thirty six minutes. It wasn't like there was some crazy comeback or anything like that. South Carolina was just really bad. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Um, it. It's crazy how this team goes from arguably the best regular season win of the Frank Martin era and winning at Virginia, the reigning national champions, a top 10 team at that point, a team that had not lost on its home floor in three years, and then turn around eight days later and, and probably suffered statistically, numbers-wise, uh, the worst loss, regular season loss of the Frank Martin era uh, in eight days. In eight days, Greg, it's it's mind-blowing for fans. I'm sure it's mind-blowing for Frank Martin and these players, and they got a lot of things to figure out here to get some consistency uh, as SEC play is around the corner. Yeah, you talk about just the wild back-and-forth nature of this. After Houston, we're like, NCAA tournament feels like a long shot at this point. 
Then they win that one against Clemson pretty solidly. You know, it was a little bit of a rock fight, but they came out and were solid victors. Shock Virginia and shock most of, I think, the entire college basketball world. And all of a sudden, it looks like the NCAA tournament's back on again. And now, you know, they, I think, dropped more than 30 spots in the net ratings after this loss. And the tournament is once again on life support. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is. And, you know, they beat Clemson and Virginia by combined 24 points. I mean, they really, in both of those games showed the potential of this team the team that we all kind of talked about in the offseason team we saw glimpses of at the sc pro-am over the summer in july particularly at at uva this is this is the, you know this was the team at full strength now right Keyshawn bryant's back in the swing of things seems like frank started to kind of solidify his rotation he made tweaks after that houston game aj lawson's now the point guard uh, jair bolden is now the the two guard and uh, trey hannibal now is kind of getting in the mix more and he's making plays and things were starting to kind of figure themselves out and then 40 minutes later it's kind of like back to the drawing board you know how did this how did this happen you can talk about lack of focus that is clearly something that that was part of this if you watched that game on Monday you saw a team that had unforced turnovers uh, you saw a team that missed point blank layups I can think of three from Jermaine Kuznar just off the top of my head it's all team air ball at least three threes just missed the rim completely including Jared Bolden's uh, opening shot from the wing on the on South Carolina's first possession of the game which kind of set the tone for the rest of the thing and you can dissect it a million different ways you know AJ Lawson only plays 13 minutes <laughs> uh, did not play well had a bunch of turnovers Frank Martin couldn't stand it anymore and sat him did he sit, sit him too long you know, this, we've seen Frank do this before with his best players. He's done it with Chris Silva in the past. Um, he likes to kind of send a message from here or there. Without him on the floor for a good seven-minute stretch, they played okay. They got it back to, a, I think, at least to a two-point game. He didn't check in until there's 40 seconds left. By that point, they were back down eight. Could he have been used, obviously, in that stretch? Probably. Probably. But, you know, if you're shocked by that, you haven't been paid attention the way Frank Martin does things. Hate him or love him, this is the way that he has coached a lot of his career is that if his best player, or if any player, does not have the effort he wants, he doesn't care how good you are. He'll sit you at crucial times. And I'm not saying that was the main reason why they lost. But certainly, had he been in there, maybe the result is different. But you never know. He was not playing well. And Frank Martin made made note of that afterward. Yeah, you mentioned Bolden and Lawson. Really, the two guys that keyed that Virginia win were so good and alternatively so bad against Stetson. Like you said, Frank Martin's always kind of had a short leash. But it just seems a little odd that at a moment where, you know, there's just no room for error, so to speak. You know, a loss against Stetson is so crushing. And he keeps Lawson on the bench. Stuff like that, it just... Like you said, it just seems like it's it's Frank Martin style no matter what. You know, he was asked about point blank. Why didn't A.J. Lawson play for those crucial points the second half? And he kind of turned the question around the reporter and said, did you watch him? You know, would you have played him? And the reporter said, yes. Frank just kind of said, okay, well, that's that's your deal. You know, this is my decision. So he didn't really get like a, a true, true answer, but we kind of did. I mean, it was kind of unspoken. He was clearly unhappy with how he played. But uh, again, you talk about the significance of that game and in that moment. Because once that thing got to the second half, this was real. This, was, this wasn't just Stetson kind of hanging around a little bit. This was like, oh, my gosh, South Carolina can lose this thing and potentially severely damage its postseason chances. And, yeah, and, and it's one of those things where it's not like A.J. Lawson was the only one that was playing poorly. Everybody was. You know, if, if you look back and you try to say who was South Carolina's best player in that game, you know, <laughs> Wilden's Levesque came in 
hadn't played all game and came in at a point in the second half and got like five rebounds in like two minutes and at that point was like the second leading rebounder on the team uh, at that point of the game so I mean talking about energy and giving you some life Trey Hannibal had some life here or there he also made some some mistakes every now and then but Williams Levesque is probably the top I think he only played seven minutes but again I think back to the Mississippi State game last year in Starkville. And it was a game in late February. South Carolina's making that run in the second half of the season and, and giving it shot, itself a chance to be in the NCAA tournament discussion. And Chris Silva was pulled out of the game in a 76-61 loss in Starkville uh, with less than three minutes left and didn't come back. So it's, it's because he didn't run a play that Frank wanted him to do in a timeout, didn't listen, and that was the point he was proving. This is the way Frank does it. Again, <laughs> it's his style. We can question it all we want. Um, he is uh, a guy who has been successful a lot of his career and, and doing it and doing it his way. I don't think he's going to change. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, we could, yeah. we could debate this all we want. I know fans like to debate this, all this stuff. And, again, I, I wasn't surprised by that. I really wasn't. And, you know, did, did it cost him the game? I don't know if it totally cost him the game. I think that Stetson was making plays that South Carolina wasn't. And they needed someone with energy and focus that could just kind of take it over. And I think A.J. Lawson had chances early on. And when that didn't happen, all the other mistakes kind of caught up to him. In Frank's head, he said, okay, we're done here. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. Okay, so that happened. Now they got to move forward to SEC play, starting against Florida, a team that entered the season, I think, with pretty high expectations, but has kind of disappointed so far. And you kind of mentioned to me earlier before we were recording that the SEC as a whole seems a little down this year, which on one hand is good news for the Gamecocks as they will probably need a very good conference season to make the tournament. But on the other hand, it's going to rob them of some chances for some really high quality wins too. Yeah, I mean... Listen, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team right now, would it surprise anyone if South Carolina went out and won double-digit SEC games? No, it shouldn't. (laughs) Uh, Would it surprise anyone if they go out and win five or six SEC games? Probably not. You just, you don't know what to expect. You know, right now on December 31st, 2019, as we head into 2020, you're trying to figure out what team you're going to see on a night-to-night basis. Frank Martin's trying to see what team's going to see on a night-to-night basis. Like you said, there's positive and negatives to this going into SEC play because the SEC is not not as strong as it has been the last couple of years. There's been some kind of head scratching losses. We think about Kentucky losing to Evansville, I think, as the as the one that really sticks out at Rupp Arena earlier this year. But you know, a lot of teams just have not really asserted themselves. You know, Auburn is undefeated so far. Look at Auburn's schedule. Who have they played? You know, Florida was the SEC. You know, was a team picked many picked to win the league has not been overly consistent. So. Yeah, I mean, in that way, can a team that beat Virginia in Charlottesville go in and take advantage of that in the SEC? Absolutely. That team that played in John Paul Jones Arena on December 22nd shows up for all SEC play. I fully expect them to win 10 to 12 games in this conference. Obviously, the team that showed up against Stetson is there. They'll struggle to get, you know, four to six, right? 
I would lean more toward the UVA performance over the Stetson performance. It was terrible. There's no, there's no other way to put it. But I just can't see Frank Martin allowing that to kind of carry on. Now, they've had two bad losses, Boston University earlier this year and, and now Stetson, and they came over a month apart from each other. Will there be bad losses in SEC play? Sure. I mean, I, I think I put in a, in a kind of a post-game wrap-up talking about how could you expect South Carolina to beat Kentucky on January 17th, I think it is, mid-January, then turn around and lose that next game to Texas A&M in College Station. Texas A&M right now is only 6-5, and five, a team that has not really played all that well in Buzz Williams' first season there. Yeah, you can expect that. Um, it's going to be kind of the Jekyll and Hyde nature, up and down nature of this of this team. Now, maybe they turn around, okay? Maybe, we, maybe yesterday was a pure fluke. And, and they, they, they get it all together, and they are consistent again. Maybe that was the final alarm that went off on this team. You know, Frank Martin's biggest concern afterward is that this team is a front runner right now, where when things are going good, they thrive off that, right? They, they got a lead at Virginia early, and they fed off that the rest of the game. They battled through a, a, an ugly first half at Clemson, made a couple st- shots in the second half, and got enough of a cushion to ride that one out. Yesterday they got down early. Against Houston, they got down early. You know, some of these games you get down early, and when you have that front-running mentality, do you have the toughness, the mental toughness to, to get out of that hole? And that's kind of what they got to figure out right now. It's what Frank Martin's got to figure out right now. He's got, you know, he talked about it after the game, that whatever he's doing right now is not working. <laughs> so he's got he's to reevaluate something again. He's already made, I shouldn't say major adjustments, but he's made significant adjustments already this season after that Houston game. He had that break before Clemson. Uh, what he did was he, he switched the lineup, put Keyshawn Bryant in as a starter, made that switch at guard, put A.J. Lawson at point guard, chair bowling off the ball. But I don't know if this one's schematic that he needs to fix. I think this is more of a kind of a mental thing. What does, what does he need to do to get these guys to, to rise up and be motivated no matter who the opponent is on a night-in, night-out basis. And if they do get down early, to get back, to battle through some adversity and, and get back and, and win some games. But, no, the SEC is not crazy strong, so there's not going to be a lot of you know, great opportunities, but they got to get them when they can. And, hey, you got a shot here early on playing Florida and Tennessee and, and, and Kentucky kind of right off the bat in SEC play. All right. Thanks, Andrew. That's all the time we have for this episode, but we will be – continuing to follow South Carolina men's basketball as they start SEC play. And we'll have more on women's basketball as they get going in conference play as well. Thanks for listening, and please remember to rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts.